Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo coming to you from the uh, the, the hub of baseball right now. True. He's in Phoenix, Arizona. Got the World Series there. He's there, not for the World Series, but for the Arizona Fall League. Um, well, we don't we don't have any specific plans to talk World Series, but how could well, we? Can I ask you, Jonathan? Not? I want to know if Jonathan's going to try to get it in Game all. Five because because didn't we look last week and the schedule yeah, open up for you? Yeah, you scheduled you, it out you for him. You can make it to Game Five. Are you going to go to Game Five, Jonathan? How can I make it to Game Five? I think there's only day games in the Fall League, or there aren't there. <laughs> Yeah, your travel right, last agent. Last week, this was a, this was this was James Callis topic. I was set like, this up for determined you. This could happen. Yeah, hey, so, mapped it all out for you. So here's the problem. First of all, uh, <laughs> game five is Wednesday, and I'm covering a night game. Right? There's the two night games on Wednesday, unless they move those two again. Why don't you go to a game today then, as we record this? Well, so the part, that that's, I didn't go really, yesterday. Really luring in the listeners here by going over Jonathan's <laughs> know, schedule. Really, it's really exciting. What are you um, doing at four uh, thirty? So, you know, as the timing works with the two thirty start time for a fall league game, and then once I write, I will not make it to a, a, a game in, in time. Not to mention the inability to find tickets. Um, so, but thank you. I would prudentially. I'm upset. All right. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be worthwhile. Uh, we will talk Arizona Fall League, please, and we will we will talk Arizona Fall League with the top ranked prospect in the Arizona Fall League, Colson Montgomery. Two weeks in a row of a Montgomery uh, guest on the podcast. Who who do we have next? We have any Montgomerys lined up for next week? We have Montgomery Cliff for next week. Montgomery Burns. There, that's much better, Jim. I just think I think of like a Red Sox Montgomery for us, Bob Montgomery. So, but he's not. Which would be, yeah, <laughs> wow. Like, I, that's I don't think he's cut. alive, so that might be a, a tough one. How about Braden Montgomery? Since we're going to talk about draft, we talked about Braden there Montgomery, two-way player. Well, that's that's Ooh. actually a relevant yes. Montgomery name. Very very nicely done. Yeah, we are going to talk about the draft because uh, in the past week, Jim and Jonathan have put together a top 20 high school draft prospects list and a top 20 college draft prospects list for the 2024 draft. Uh, we are going to... These guys are going to... They're going to do a draft draft. They'll draft uh, five players each. Jim is bucking for six. <laughs> I'm going to draft six no matter what. I'm picking six. If you if you only hear five, it's because uh, we either we cut we, we edited out his six pick, uh, and then we'll answer a question, maybe two, from the mailbag. So Arizona Fall League last week when we when we met. Uh, Jonathan had just arrived, so he didn't have much to offer from the Fall League, but now he's been there for a week, um, seen at least six games, I guess. How many games have you seen? I, I don't remember if we have, had you on any uh, double-duty days. No, we we didn't in the end. Okay, so six six games. I don't know. Have you been there a full week? I guess you've been there a full yeah. week now. Yeah. Any? I know yesterday you saw Emiliano Teodo good again and if you've seen him at all in the fall league you've seen him good because he's been nothing but he, he's been about as good as any relief pitcher we've seen in the fall league i went back and took a quick look and there have been several relief pitchers that have posted a perfect era over their course 
uh, of a fall league season, there have only been two that have posted a 0.00 ERA with a K to nine over 14 <laughs> per nine, as is the case with uh, Toyota now. Uh, of course, still two weeks left in the season. He's only pitched 10 innings, short sample size, but I, I, you, I, I remember one to... because Jared Miller, is it Jared Miller, one of them? Yeah, he, he was is the most unbelievable recent. that year. And I, I, I'm now looking up his numbers on baseball ref. He had 30 strikeouts in 18 and third innings. And I remember, I, yeah. I also remember him because I think the next year was the first year of the MLB four tournament and they had Vanderbilt versus Virginia and it won't, it wound up being a blowout. It wound up being a blowout. Like Vanderbilt was up 13 or something to one after like four innings. And so I think we kept Paven Smith on for a while because he was a Virginia grad and we kept Jared Miller on maybe for a whole inning because <laughs> we, we didn't have much to talk about because it was such a blow up. But I do remember Jared Miller. That was just crazy. Like he, I think he might even be a little bit better than Toyota was this year, but he, he's the one I remember is Jared Miller. Yeah. 18 and a third, six hits, no runs, four walks, 30 strikeouts, 0.55 whip, 103 average against and a 14.73 K to nine. Uh, the, the other pitcher to, uh, to do that, post a perfect ERA with a K to nine over fourteen, Mitch Stetter back in two thousand seven. Uh, but yeah, I mean Jonathan, uh, and I know this is a pitcher from one of Jim's organizations. You you could talk about him though. I give you permission. I appreciate it, Jim. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know it. it it's uh, it, it was interesting because so often we don't really pay that much attention to relievers uh, in the fall league. You know, if a, if a guy starts and, and pitches well, uh, you'll maybe you'll note that, especially if they, you know, go five innings, uh, you know, which doesn't happen all that often. And then it's typically the offensive performances that we're focusing in on and later innings. Maybe we're even already starting to shape what our story is going to look like for the day. And last week, he came into a game and I was, you know, kind of paying, still paying loose attention. And I was like, wait, did that say one Oh two, uh, on the scoreboard. And so then I started paying more attention and, uh, you, you know, Jason, you and I have sort of been talking back and forth about doing something about relief pitchers in the fall league. And, you know, it's hard to cover them. And, and then the game I was at yesterday, uh, it was one of those games where there wasn't a whole lot, to talk about like in terms of standout performances and at about the sixth inning i actually was like you know what if uh if teodo comes into the game i am uh, i'm gonna you know pitch as well i'm i'm gonna write him and he went he, he got a two inning save uh actually gave up a hit and a walk which uh, is rare enough uh in, in the fall league and, and he was great to talk to afterwards you know you, you mentioned the the jared miller numbers and you know the, the other he's right there i mean the the zero ERA, as you mentioned, the 16.2 strikeout per nine, right? Oh, 91 batting average and a 0.5 whip. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is that he's commanding his fastball better than he did during the year. Uh, you know, if I were the Texas Rangers, I would never let him start another game. I would just keep him in the bullpen. He, he prefers to start, but that's also just, that's what he's done. I, I, I don't know, Jim. I think if you put him in the bullpen, 
that stuff is going to play. He's going to get to the big leagues next year. And I think someone will explain that to him and then he'll buy into being. A reliever yeah. I, I think he projects more as a reliever. I think that's accurate. I mean, it may be a situation where you give him some starts to give him some inning, you know, uh, regularly scheduled innings, but I think long-term you're looking at him as a, as a reliever. Um, I, I agree with that. Who's impressed you from a hitting standpoint in your first seven or eight days out there? Well, you know, you know, what's interesting when you coming out, you know, after a few weeks, there are guys you know, who are putting up numbers, and you know, I I didn't know what Jacob Marcy. I had never seen him play before, um, and he's been really fun to watch. You know, easy for me to take the guy who's leading the fall league and and OPS, but you know, it was one of these. We've all seen guys who have put up good numbers, but you don't see it. But he, the, the games I've seen him, he has hit everything hard. He had like a little bit of a dip, and then you know, sort of got hot again. Uh, he's driving the ball. He's stealing bases. I think his uniform is dirty every single game I've seen him, and I've seen I've, I've seen him a few times now. So that was one of those one of those guys that I was like, all right, he has actually lived up to uh, the numbers. Um, I'm curious to see what he does next year. I don't you know I, I don't know what he is. Um, you know maybe he's a fourth outfielder when all is said and done. But I think this is a case where a fall league performance has definitely raised his his profile. So he's been the guy that has probably uh, impressed me the most. Um, I'm scrolling through some some numbers here. Uh, there's not been like that. There haven't been that many like huge offensive performances since I've, I've been here. Uh, you know, obviously Chase DeLauder has been good. I've liked the uh, at bats from Gabriel Rincon that that I've seen. Um, he's having a decent fall league, but uh, really good approach at the plate. So those are those are a couple of guys that stand out. You know, when I look down the list of uh, OPS leaders in the Arizona Fall League, uh, Jonathan, you talked about Marcy. We've talked about James Triantos. Those two are one two in both OPS and total bases. Dominic Keegan is third. Oliver Dunn, Liam Hicks, Caleb Durbin. A couple interesting things that stand out just looking at their stats across the board. A lot of these guys are running too. Jacob Marcy has 14 stolen bases in 18 games. Uh, Triantos has seven. Oliver Dunn has nine. Caleb Durbin has 11. So, you know, five, four out of the top six in the league and OPS also with seven or more stolen bases and in 15, 18 games. Also, most of these guys, their walk-to-strikeout ratios, very impressive. Uh, Marcy, 17 walks, 19 strikeouts. Triantos, uh, 10 and 11. Egan, 7 and 10. Hicks and, and Caleb Durbin, both with more walks than strikeouts, 12 to 8 and 12 to 6. A lot of the guys, you look down the list, their walk-to-strikeout ratios very, very good. And that, that seems like something that we've seen, like it's, it's come to light in the postseason with of course uh full count Carter. And, um, it, you know, I, I think in this year's postseason, the rookies have walked more times than ever in a, a single postseason in history. And like they had eclipsed that number, you, I think like a week ago. Um, is there, is there something, I mean, this is a, I'm extrapolating from a very small sample size here, but I think it's apples and oranges to some de- some degree because the hitting is just so far ahead of the pitching in the fall league. 
And I just don't think it's, so I, I think it's more of a pitching issue in the fall league and more of a teams prioritizing guys who can work counts and get on base to win games in the postseason. I, I, I just think those are two entirely different things. And I guess the combination of those two things in the fall league leads to. Yeah. I mean, you're numbers, drafting guys too. I mean, like, look, I mean, a lot of guys are getting drafted. I mean, everybody's looking at your strikeout rate and your walk rate. I mean, that's not the only thing you're getting drafted off of, but you know, they're, they're pre-selecting those guys too. So I, I do think hitters in general work counts more than they did 20 years ago. And then you get to the fall league where there's not a lot of high quality pitching. And I, I was just eyeballing the stats. It looks like teams are averaging about five walks a game. Um, so I, I, again, I, I would attribute it more to the pitching in, in the fall league than necessarily, you know, there's a bunch of guys with unbelievable batting eyes. Yeah, I, I think that, I think that's right. Now, a lot of guys are in the fall league working on their approaches and it probably you know, helps. Uh, but I, I, I was curious cause looking at the stats this year, uh, there are 18 guys with on base percentages of, uh, 400 or higher. And that is exactly the same amount of guys last year who uh, finished with 400 or better on base percentage. So I, I do think it's it's more you know, year to year, year to year. The the pitching uh, you have a lot of guys who are here who are trying to work on throwing more strikes and hasn't always gone so well. But it it has made for you know those high walk totals, and then guys are taking advantage of, of getting on base and, and running on and. It's not all like super fast guys. You know, Gabriel Rincon stole 30 bags during the regular season. He's 11 for 12. AJ Vukovic, who's you know more athletic than people give him credit for, but I don't think anyone would have thought that uh, you know, he'd be 12 for 13 stolen bases until a couple days ago. He was actually ahead of Victor Scott in stolen bases, but a friend of the pod, uh, Victor, has uh, moved ahead of him. He's got 13. He's the only one. Uh, only one behind Jacob Marcy at, at this point in time. And I, I'd be willing to bet that he's got his sights on making sure that he wins that stolen base title. Uh, and Victor's got another guy with more walks and strikeouts, which is good for a guy who needs to use his legs to get to the big leagues. So we are in the, into the final two weeks of the fall league season, which uh, we have the fall stars game, the home run derby uh, on Saturday, and then the Fall Stars game on Sunday uh, of this week, and then next week, uh, season culminates with the play-in game, uh, and then the championship game next weekend. So, the Fall Stars game always the the big event uh, of the Arizona Fall League um, this year. As we've talked about uh, on the podcast several times, the fact that the overall number of top 100 prospects in the Fall League this year down a little bit, and then we lost the two highest ranked pitchers uh, in Jackson Job and Ricky Tiedemann who wrapped up the season, their, their fall league season early. So we're down a couple more, uh, but the fall, the, the fall stars game is always a lot of fun. We're going to see the best players in the fall league out there. Who are some guys in particular that, that you guys are looking forward to seeing this weekend? Well, Jim, you know, you were out here for the first week and then you've been, you know, away. So who, who are you most uh, excited to to get to see? Because the Fall Stars will be your first Fall League action. Uh, correct, correct. Yeah, I think there's two guys. You know, there's many guys I'm looking forward to seeing. I did get to see a lot of guys first week, but I think the two guys 
I'm looking forward to seeing the most are one. One is Jace Young, who I interviewed for the podcast and had a great time talking to him. And we probably talked for 20 minutes after the podcast because he was just hanging out and he loves to talk baseball and he was very excited about his brother being in the World Series. I never got to see him play. I, I saw Salt River, I think, play. Every game I saw Salt River play, he wasn't in the starting lineup the first week. So I, I, I never got to lay eyes on Jace Young on the diamond. So looking forward to seeing him. I, I think he's you know obviously top 100 prospect. He's probably the only top 100 position prospect I didn't get to see the first week. Um, and he hasn't played a ton. I mean, he's only played 12 games through through four weeks. But uh, So he'd be one. And then um, you know I think Jason touched on him earlier briefly, but Dominic Keegan just kind of fascinates me a little bit. He, for a guy who was a high profile program at Vanderbilt and he was really their best hitter for two years in a row, he flies under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, he had, you know, he had his breakout year at Vanderbilt and then he got COVID and he missed some time. And and I think that took some of the steam out of him as a draft prospect that year, the Rays drafted him. It's a deep system. So he gets kind of overlooked in the Rays system a little bit. I, I don't have our Rays list in front of me. I want to say he ranks 10th or 11th on that on their list. Ninth, ninth. He ranks ninth on their list. But anyway, I mean, his first full year in Pro Bowl, he came out, he put up an 850 ops as a catcher. I, I don't think he's going to win a gold glove, but I think as he gets more catching experience, I, I think he can be an adequate catcher. I, I think there's something there. I, I, anyway, for whatever reason, I think he flies under the radar a little bit. And so I'm kind of interested to see how he'll look. You know, he'll get a chance to, to hopefully show something in the Fall Stars game. Now, of course, we um, we don't know who's in the game. So this is who we like to see in the game because rosters will be out later this week. But I, I'm hoping we get to see him and he gets a chance to do something. Jonathan, I see I see you're you're waffling in our in our <laughs> Google Doc. So so I really want to see Harry Ford because I haven't seen him. No one has seen him. Uh, he hasn't played in quite some time, uh, and uh, he's still here. So, th- if we're going pure wish list, I, I you know, I was excited to see him. I think may have even been an earlier podcast episode when we were like, "Who are we most excited to see?" You know, we saw him in the futures game, but you, you don't really get like a good look uh, at a, at a guy that way. And so, I was hoping to get to see him multiple times over the two weeks here, and I haven't haven't seen him play. So that's, that's, that's why I had him. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm wondering if he's going to be in the game because he hasn't played in so long, but if he, if he gets into games this week, then hopefully we'll see him. So that's why I have been waffling between him and then uh, Kyle Manzardo, who I haven't got to see. Uh, maybe I saw him in one game, but he didn't really do anything. Um, and uh, I know people were excited because early on he was start showing uh, some more power. Um, He's cooled off some, but uh like to see him swing the bat. And then the aforementioned Victor Scott, uh, maybe that's just because I want there to be, you know, there's a home run derby, uh, but I, I'm always a fan of some sort of skills competition. I don't know how you would do it. Maybe just, you know, have him run 60s. I, I don't know what it is, but I would love to have the fastest guys in the league do something so they could show yeah, I would love speed. for Jonathan to be like Rich Eisen and race Victor Scott. I know Rich Eisen when at the NFL Combine doesn't race the guys per se, like they time him. But but I, I think if we do get, to, I will not I would like to see you race that. Victor Scott. No, that is a hard no. Okay, That's we can have the one where like can Jonathan make? I think everybody. I think can everybody Jonathan would make like it to second that. base before Victor mm-hmm. Scott makes it from home all the way around the bases? Like that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, we could handicap it. That, that 
Let's make this happen. Get right. Chuck Fox. On the I think I can make it to second base before he goes home to home. I don't know. I, 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 I'm yeah. skeptical. I, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's, wow. it's coming together. It's coming together. It's on. All right. Uh, let's take a break and come back and talk to a White Sox prospect, Wilson Montgomery. That's coming up next on the MLP Pipeline podcast. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jonathan Mayo here in Glendale with White Sox prospect Colson Montgomery, top-ranked guy on our top 100 list here in Arizona. And Colson, we we chatted a little bit on media days, mm-hmm. and uh, but I haven't actually you know been able to to see you in action yet. That was before things got started. How's your fall going? Uh, it's going pretty good. You know, um, you know, you kind of have a lot of expectations when you come in here, so. I just came in here with open arms, you know, having fun, meet new guys, and I was really excited just to kind of be a part of a whole new group, you know, guys with different organizations, things like that, and built some really good connections and friendships with a lot of guys, and also you can kind of test yourself with the game of baseball against facing the best of the best guys every single night. So I, I think it's going well, and I'm excited to be here. I know, you know, all hitters, you know, but especially you clearly sort of study the game, you can take – things and learn things from mm-hmm. from guys you're playing with and against have you already sort of picked up some things you're like oh all right, I hadn't really thought about x this way and like I hopefully I can incorporate it into my game mm-hmm. yeah especially at the plate of I've learned from some guys about their approaches and things like that and the one thing is uh, a teammate of mine he came up and he told me he's like dude like pitchers are human too they, they throw balls you know they don't just throw strikes every single time even in the big leagues even here and this guy he's he, he rakes, he's a good hitter and everything like that. And he just, him kind of telling me that, kind of just lifts some weight off your shoulders knowing that, I mean, yeah, these guys are human too. They're not going to throw everything right down the middle or everything that they throw is going to be a strike. So it kind of goes into your approach of hitting your pitch and don't really fall into the trap of the pitcher. Now you missed, you know, a, a good chunk of time you know, out of the gate. So do you feel like you, you, in some ways, you know, I think a lot of guys here are probably ready to shut it down. Mm-hmm. You, are you, are you feeling like you're hitting your stride now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say so, yeah, but you, you look at the calendar and you see it's October, almost November, and you're like, why the heck am I still playing baseball? You know. But other than that, I mean, I was talking with some of the guys earlier, like I, my body feels pretty good right now. You know, I feel like I'm in my later half of the full season. So it's just the fact that you see the calendar and you see it's almost November, kind of mentally, you're like, why am I still playing baseball? But if you want to play the best of the best, you know, this is the time you want to be playing baseball. So that's kind of how I think of it. I was about to say that. I mean, as we're sitting here recording this, the World Series is getting going. Mm-hmm. Like, y- you want to be on that exactly. stage, right? And exactly. You've yeah. seen guys, I mean, guys that are on that stage now were on this stage mm-hmm. earlier. Is it a good reminder that not only you're making up for some lost time and working on some things, but, like, this is a stepping stone for a lot of really good talent. Yeah, especially if you see the guys who were in this. You know, you see Corey Seager or whatever. He was World Series MVP, and now he's back in the World Series. And you saw that they went through all of this, too. It's just kind of part of the journey, you know. It's like stepping stones, and I see it as, like, kind of things uh, accomplished throughout my throughout my pro career. You know, I wanted to play in the Fall League because I wanted to test myself and challenge myself against the best guys. All right, you brought up Corey Seager. I didn't. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know that I have seen a comp to one player 
mentioned more often than it is with you and Corey yeah. Seager. Are you at a point where like you're, you're like, oh no, here it comes again? Now I'll, I'll, I'll remind you, you brought it up, not me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did bring it up because I, I, I thought maybe you were going to bring it up yeah, sometime. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a good comp, you know, especially with what he's done and things like that. So the fact that it just keeps coming up and coming up all the time, I kind of. I look at it a lot more, you know, because there, there's got to be a reason why it's always coming up, you know. So you kind of just learn how he plays the game, kind of his mannerisms and how professional he is in the field and at the, at the plate. All right, so we can practice right now. I'm going to bring it up, and you're going to pretend like it's the first time you've ever heard it and it's the greatest thing you've ever heard. Are you ready? Yeah. So, you know, here's a comp that I've been thinking of. I don't know if you've heard this one before, but uh, Corey Seager? Really? You haven't uh, heard that one before? I've, I haven't heard that one, no. I haven't heard that one before. But I've, that's a pretty good one, you know. That's a pretty one to be comp to, is, is what I've been told. <laughs> See, that's that's excellent because you're going to be asked that four million more times. Probably, and yeah. uh, so you need to give people credit as if they've come up with some new novel yeah, idea. Uh-huh. So, so that works out. And, and obviously, you know – bigger left-handed hitting shortstop and you said like it, it's a it's good to be able to see how, mm-hmm. how he does that I wanted to sort of ask you about the sort of left-handed hitting part I've always been fascinated by guys who are right-handed but hit left-handed mm-hmm. was that just like naturally how you pick, picked it up or was taught to you once that like maybe being a left-handed hitter was an advantage uh no I mean so when I started growing up and playing baseball I mean my dad and just knowing him and everything, he was a right-handed hitter and things like that. So he thought, oh, my son and my older brother was a right-handed hitter. So he's like, oh, my second boy is going to be a right-handed hitter. And then I went up there and just wasn't doing very good, didn't look good and things like that. And I'd always want to pick, grab the bat and place my hands in certain places. And he'd be like, oh, maybe he's a left-handed hitter. And same thing with basketball. He thought I was going to be a right-handed shooter, and then I ended up shooting the ball left-handed. So there was really no plan in that, just kind of natural you, you beat me to my, my follow-up question was, mm-hmm. do you do other things left-handed? But yeah. you play basketball left-handed shoot, also. Yeah, I shoot basketball left-handed and I kick left, left-footed or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Strange. Um, Very uh, strange. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think in both cases there's an advantage to it. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're seeing here, but, I, you know, I played basketball left-handed and it was always an advantage because defenders weren't used to defending that mm-hmm. way. Did, did yeah. you find that even if it wasn't like some – huge design by you to yeah, no. trick people it just it's just it was just the way I was made you know and I mean everybody would say like if you're a left-handed left-handed shooter they'd force you left but I throw right-handed so you know I'm, I'm, my right arm's dominant and strong too so it was kind of it was very very uh it was a big advantage <laughs> have you ever tried to throw left-handed yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. <laughs> not good at all. Might have to come. I might have to see that sometime. We'll get that on video. Good, yeah, yeah no. we'll have to get that on video. It doesn't look point. good and doesn't feel good. I throw, <laughs> one, one of the things you know, uh, uh, and I don't want to beat the comp into into the ground, but you know, when 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 Corey was coming up, even when we played in the fall league, there were a mm-hmm. lot of people who thought that he's not going to be able to stick at shortstop. Right? Yeah. He's too big. You've probably heard that yeah, from, all the from, time. from 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 the beginning. Is that something like? That you're is that does that fuel you? Do you want to like do you want to mm-hmm. prove to people like yeah. that you can stay there? I mean, yeah, and being like a competitor and things like that, you always want like something to motivate you more. And when guys say that he might be too big to play shortstop, just kind of gives you fuels the fire, you know, to just try and prove everybody wrong. Because I mean, there's nothing more that you want as a competitor than motivation, like easy motivation. Other people just saying stuff, so. I mean, I came into here into the fall league to show that I can be shortstop every single day, and I mean, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of that. 
that being said, it's April, May, whatever it is next year, and the White Sox are like, we need you to come play third base. You're on the plane immediately, right? It's mm-hmm. not like you're like, no, 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 I'm a shortstop. Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, especially with my organization and things like that. If they they tell me you need to play right field or whatever, it's like, yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do that because they feel like uh, if they put me there, it gives us the best opportunity to win. One of the things that stood out for you in the early parts of your career has been your overall approach at the plate. Is that something that you've worked on? Is that something that you just sort of naturally when you started playing baseball seriously, like it just kind of came naturally to you? Uh, I would say it came came pretty natural. And then as I got in, got older in high school and into pro ball, I kind of uh, some of my hitting people gave me challenges and things to to help that approach of having strikes on discipline and things like that. So just the fact that they were able to be there and challenge me and do things like that. But I would say it pretty much came natural. Is there Are there things that you can do as – are they giving you a hard time? There, people are watching us yeah, right now. Yeah. Let's just put people – this, <laughs> this is audio only, but people are definitely watching what you have to say right now. You know, people, you know, there are things you can do. You get stronger in, in the weight room. You mm-hmm. can you know, work on hitting the ball the other way in the cage. Like, are there things that you can actually do – to continue to hone that approach, especially as you face better and better pitching? Yeah. Um, so when I'm down in the offseason and uh, with my hitting guy, Hunter Bud, so we, we set up the eye pitch. There's a thing it's called an eye pitch, and you can program any pitcher into that machine, and it'll throw exactly what they – their pitching metrics and the speed and things like that. So we'll be doing that five times a week, every week for all of offseason. Off so you see guys like – Brent Rooker and Jake Berger that I hit with down there, they're they're using that and they crush the ball, you know. So I mean, it, it works and it's it's sometimes you get carved and you you look stupid doing it, but I mean, in reality, like it's going to help you, you know. Seeing game speed stuff and seeing pitching like that, it's going to help you. So I see that every day and I I, I like being challenged, you know. Even if I fail, I like being challenged because I know that whatever I see in that machine is going to be. And I, when I see it in the game, it's going to be not as gross as a machine. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of just – I want to be challenged a lot in my work. It's kind of crazy, like, how far – probably even since you started playing seriously, how far the tech has come oh, to yeah. help a player. I mm-hmm. mean, because I think part of you would probably be like, I just want to go out and, and hit, yeah. you know. Uh, is that something that you've always embraced or, you know, just something as things are introduced to you, like like this device that you're yeah. like okay I I actually uh, I recognize the the need for this sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I mean I'm kind of old school I guess you'd say I'd rather see an an arm BP and things like that. But I mean the day and age we're in now, there's just so much technology that they use with analytics of hitting and and things like that. So then when they came with the eye pitch, I kind of I liked it a lot. I liked the fact that I was challenged. And the thing I did when I was hurt was the win reality, the virtual reality thing, just kind of keep my eyes ready, you know, and just kind of stay focused and things like that. How about on the on the data side of thing? Or do you use any of it? Do, do you use any of that? No, I don't use any of it. None of it, except maybe the pitching stuff. You know, you got to see how guys are with their fastballs and their breaking ball. But, I mean, I know the basics. I don't really try and look too much into that because hitting's hard enough. You know, I don't really want to think too much. Just leave it up to the hitting coach to, to tell us all that stuff. One, one of the things I think that can help is that if, like, you're going through a stretch where stuff isn't falling because that happens, but then you can see things like barrel percentages and, and oh, yeah. exit velocities, and you're like, all right, I'm actually – 
I'm seeing the ball well right now. The results aren't showing up. Where, you know, however many years ago, you would just think you're struggling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Especially how you said that. I guess years back, you could be hitting balls hard and things like that, and a guy could have robbed a home run or things like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, like on paper, you you look like you're struggling. But if you look at the like expected averages and things like that, you're raking, you know. So. I really don't try and look too much into that stuff, though. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to someone else who was here in the fall, and he was saying, like, you can look at that and it helps, but you come up to the plate and you see 220 on the scoreboard next to your name. Mm-hmm. Batting average still matters it, in terms of that. In ter- yes, uh, I agree with whoever said that. It, it's very true. You know, you, you could be in the box and you say, this is probably the best I've felt in the box. I'm seeing the ball really good, but just things aren't falling, and it's just part of the game. It's just kind of you got to stick with it. Now, we're talking all about approach and things like that, and I looked – I think you've got what, like two walks and like 19 Ks here so far. Yeah. So like, what uh-huh. are you? Are, are you? And I'm not bringing that up to like yeah, make you feel no, bad, no. but it's more like, are you? Are you? Are you purposely being a little more aggressive mm-hmm. while you're here? Yeah, um, I was kind of working on a few things. Of I was trying to be a little more aggressive, just kind of test things out, you know, especially with really good guys on on the on the mound. I mean, you can see during the season I'm very selective and very passive with things and kind of hit my pitch, but then here you kind of just kind of testing out being a little more aggressive and then I've kind of figured out now that I need a little I need to tone it back a little bit and go back to my approach of trying to hit my pitch there's usually an explanation behind such mm-hmm. things and yeah. it's a, such a small sample size I'm yeah. not you know, reading too much into it what uh what's your off season going to be like once you wrap up here we've, you know, we've got a couple more weeks mm-hmm. and then uh you know do you take some time off do you start getting itchy to get going right away yeah. what 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 will the off season be like for you and is it any different because of all the missed time you had compared to say last year mm-hmm. yeah i mean i would say right when i'm done here i'll go back home to indiana see family and friends like that and then i'm i'm going on vacation i'm going to I'm going to cabo nice. with my dad Good yeah uh-huh. i need a just a little relaxer you know because even if even when you were like it's a full season but even though i was out for a, i don't know how many months or whatever it's still mentally draining you know because you're mentally more so it is because you're mentally preparing yourself to get ready and also you're going through the why am i not here why is it not feeling better and things like that so i mean i'm i'm i would say i'm a little mentally drained but i got i got more left in the tank but then i'll go to i'll go to nashville and start working out there at my agency with jake i'm pretty sure is going to be there brent rooker and guys like that and start working out there around December, mid-December, and be there till whenever I got a report back out here. So you kind of live in Tennessee now. Yeah, I live. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a resident of Tennessee now. Yeah, I, yeah got so. I got it. Weather's a little better than Indiana in the winter, I would imagine. I, I mean, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's it's kind of the same, but not really. Not quite as cold. Not not quite as cold. I, no. I guess the other thing, you know, Indiana, uh, people don't think of base as it being a baseball Mm-mm. hotbed. Um, no. So, as someone who played basketball, like, was there pressure? for you to like go in that direction because mm. that's what kids in Indiana do. Yeah, no, especially with, if you said you were kind of going to go into play, play baseball, you know, it's kind of just, there's very few people who've come out of Indiana and been in professional baseball through baseball from Indiana. But, but no, it's, it's when you're growing up and, you know, you see movie Hoosiers and all that stuff and you want to play basketball in Indiana, you go to Indiana basketball games and you see how crazy the atmosphere is there. So when you give, you're given the opportunity to play there, it's just like it's crazy that, you know, wanting to play there. So there's a little pressure of it, but, I mean, I knew what I was supposed to do and I knew, I guess, what God made me to do to play baseball.
Well, you know, maybe now you and Max Clark can have your own Hoosiers baseball movie. Uh, yeah, maybe we can, yeah. He's a really good player, too. Good kid. Yeah, very good. All right, thank you very much, Colson. Thanks for the time. Yep, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll be right back with much more on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Thanks very much to Colson Montgomery for taking the time out to talk to us. Uh, highest ranked prospect out in the Arizona Fall League. Talked a lot of Fall League so far. Let's turn our attention to the draft. Next year's draft. Uh, we are a good seven months away. Um, but we start our... Uh, Preparation for the draft the previous year. Jim and Jonathan have started that process by putting together a list of the top 20 draft prospects from the college ranks and the high school ranks. Jonathan took the Prepsters. Jim took the college prospects. Um, and we're going to have a draft where they each take five, not from their own lists, but from the lists combined. But before we get into that, I wanted to have you guys talk about your respective lists a little bit and about just about the class in general. Is it too early to have any sort of sort of consensus from the industry as to how this class is shaping up? No, it's, it's never too early because everybody's always talking about that. I mean, I, I, Jonathan, I don't know about you, but I'd say it feels like an average-ish draft. Like, you know, I can put a 50 on it. We could put a 50. I feel like it's a, a, a 50. I mean, if you want to be a strict grader, maybe a 45. But, like, I, I don't think it stands out as a – I think there's a lot of depth on the college side and not as much on the high school side. And it kind of – you know, I, I think teams would prefer to have college depth, especially among position players, which doesn't always happen. So I, I, I'll i give 50. But if you wanted to be tough, I think you could give it a 45. Yeah, I think it depends on what your perspective is, right? Because <laughs> I did the high school list, and the high school crop, is, as Jim uh, pointed out, is not as strong as the college group. So I'm I'm leaning more 45 overall right now. Uh, but it is early, right? So I think you know, guys could jump out uh, f from the high school group and and take big steps forward in the spring, and and that would you know, could bump it up to a 50. But uh, I, I'm going to wait and see on that. Do you guys remember the grade that you put on last year's class? Again, I will, I will. Nope. I will plead the fifth. What, what, what would you do? I mean, what would you do? What would you do now, looking looking back? At I it think we thought it was. A, I think we How thought it was a strong much? draft. I think people were enthused. Maybe we went 55. 55 or 60. I mean, you could almost go sixty. I mean, if you if we can use what we know about guys doing a pro ball, where you have the top five picks in the draft, who are all number one caliber talents, and you know, I feel like we've rallied these guys off so many times with Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford and Walker Jenkins and Max Clark. And they, a lot of them came out and just tore it up in pro ball right away. And there were a lot of other strong debuts as well. I think it is a chance to be a 60. You, you just don't, you, you rarely see, I, there's more to the draft than the guys who go at the very top, but you don't see a draft with five guys like that at the top of the draft very often. And I don't think any of them disappointed. I, I think they all showed what we thought coming out in pro ball. Um, I, I think we're going to see Skeens and Cruz and Wyatt Lankford in the big leagues next year. And it might be before the all-star break, yep. honestly. Yeah. I, I want to say that I want to say that you guys kind of conservatively gave it a 55 last year, or maybe, maybe not even conservatively, but I thought it might've been 
a little conservative anyway. Um, but yeah, so overall, this year's class maybe down a little bit. But let's let's get in, let's get into the draft because I, I think my next question for you would just be to kind of identify some of the the top names overall. But a good way to do that is to have you guys uh, make your make your picks, and I think it'll it'll be interesting here because you, you guys have already talked about the fact that the college crop is more impressive than the high school crop. And in preparing for the podcast today, you guys were questioning whether. A high schooler would go at all in in this little. I, I think Jonathan's so going to bail out the high school crop and take and take a high schooler at, with his fifth pick. That's that's my projection. You know now how tempting I tempted. No, that's I am fine. To not do that just <laughs> that's to fine. You. I, I don't know who has the first pick, but I I feel like I feel like I know who Jonathan might take with the first pick if he gets it, but we'll see. I'm I'm already I'm already <laughs> salty because you don't think I could make it to second base in time. I'm, I mean, how, so I think you should tell Victor Scott. And I think Victor Scott would tell you you would not. Victor Scott could probably round the bases in like 15 seconds. You don't think I can go 90? No, feet I said in the second. Seconds. 180 feet. I said second. <laughs> I, 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 oh, you're I'm running talking, straight I, I was, to second base. I thought I was going. To, no, I thought I was going. <laughs> no, you're going right from the plate to second base. Oh, yes. home to second, home to oh no! Yeah, no, yeah, no, I was like, right. I was shocked that you were so adamant. I, I, I thought you, I thought, I thought, CC, I, I misunderstood. I was like, no, I think, you, I think know, you, got, I think you get from second, first to if no, you can get if, if Victor Scott can get around the bases, fashion right. you go ninety feet. Then Victor Scott is the fastest man alive. But yes, to clarify, I, I, I think you'd make it okay. close, but I still think he'd beat you. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure I could go home to second without hurting myself. So. um yeah. Okay. As as always, we have not uh, decided who chooses <laughs> first. I think John draft first pick. I, no, I'm, you're, you're I, I, yes, I'm giving the first, first pick. pick. Okay. And uh, you have to, but you. I was ready to flip my uh, field of field of beans loyalty card. In, in <laughs> no, no, you can have the first point. pick, but you have to decide whether it's. I don't think it really matters if this is serpentine or it's more of a thought exercise. But but are we serpentining or not? No, okay, that's fine. No. That's fine. That's, that's fine. That's you just wanted to say serpentine. I did. We, we need to get times. that clip. It's been a little we, while. DJ needs to get the clip from the live. Sure, why not? Um, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll use my nectar funds to uh, pay for the pay for the rights. Um, but uh, uh, all right, John, Jonathan. And I predicted to Jason who you're picking in a, in a Slack secret window. Did you predict that I was going to take I J.J. Did. Weatherholt? That's why I wanted you to have number one pick. Yes, you, you are. Cor- I know you. you. Yeah, you are correct. <laughs> um, you do know we've been working together a while. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's it's as we've said, it's really strong. Who is not n- not number one on uh, on Jim's list? Yeah, he was number two. He was yeah, number two on on Jim's uh, college top twenty. Middle infielder out of West Virginia, uh, unbelievable hitter. Uh, you know, won the batting title last year. Hit almost four fifty. Uh, power showed up, uh, stole a bunch of bases. Uh, he can really, really hit. And this is this is the reason why I think he's going to go out in the spring and show that he can play shortstop. And you know, he's played second base mostly before. Um, by the way, even as a second baseman, uh, I don't know if I, you know. It, splitting hairs over some of the other guys at the top of the college list. But I think that his ability to show that he can handle a premium position is, is what kind of gave him the very slight edge over, uh, over the guy. I'm going to guess you're going to take number two. Okay. Well, that's fine segue. There's also, go ahead. Go I, ahead ha- 
Yeah, I have to thank Jim's <laughs> taking the uh, the number yeah, one. You don't think on I'm going to take list. the guy from my alma mater with the number one pick? Uh, even though I ranked him seventh on the college list, but uh, no, I'm going to take Nick Kurtz, the first baseman from Wake Forest, uh, who is ranked as the top college prospect on on this list. I do. I, you know, the interesting thing as a whole is I don't think there's a clear cut number one pick in this draft. Um, you know, Jonathan alluded to this a little bit with with JJ Weatherholt. You know, if Weatherholt doesn't stick it short. A lot of the top college guys don't play premium positions. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they shake out. But I, I'm going with Nick Kurtz. There's only been one for college first baseman who went number one overall. Um, that was Spencer Torkelson. Uh, but Kurtz could join him. I, I think he's got the best combination of hitting ability and power in this draft. Hit 24 homers as a sophomore while he walked more than he struck out. He plays quality defense at first base. You know, he moves well enough. I think you could try him on an outfield corner. And I don't know how many of these guys we're going to draft. We're not going to draft all five of them. But the interesting thing is, you know, Wake was obviously loaded last year. They finished third. They lost a, a tough extra inning game in the semifinals to LSU, which went on to win the national championship. And they had two first rounders last year in Rhett Lauder and Brock Wilkin. They could have five first rounders this year. No team's ever had more than three. But between Kurtz, right-hander Chase Burns, shortstop Seaver King, left-hander Josh Hartle, and another righty Michael Massey, they could have five first round picks, which is so that that'll be a storyline we're talking about a lot in the spring. But I will I will take Nick Kurtz with my first selection. I'm gonna say a first baseman doesn't go number one overall. That's fine. I mean I I I'm making that I'm making that prediction. It's a no. tough profile. I do think if you surveyed 30 teams and just said, Who do you think is the best player in the 2024 draft? I do think Nick Kurtz would win. I, I'm not saying he'd win by a landslide. I do think Nick Kurtz would win that poll. So don't cast shade on my number one pick. Why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you do that right, Jim? Why don't you survey them right now? We'll wait. Okay, I'll start texting while you while you pick an Australian yeah. your next pick. <laughs> <laughs> predicting. This is ridiculous. By the way, uh, I, I you know I don't know if you guys didn't realize that or you're just being kind, but I was expecting. Uh, Something about the fact that I went with the the guy from Pittsburgh area, uh, JJ. Oh, you homer, you from outside of Pittsburgh. So I didn't know that you know until uh, this summer uh, when I was, you know, or actually I think at some point or last spring when he was putting up ridiculous summers. Anyway, so I will go you know from being a homer to going as far away as possible. You are correct, Jim. My my goal is to predict um, each of Jonathan's picks before he makes them. I mean, I guess I predicted your yeah. pick too. So, woo-hoo. Um, yeah, I will take Travis Bazana from uh, from Oregon State. He is from Australia. Uh, he is a second baseman. You know, it's a weird, it's just strange thing that he and Weatherholder both guys could end up playing second base. Now, sometimes that happens, but guys are shortstops coming out, but uh, not Bazana. But he can really hit. There's some power and speed. You know, stole a bunch of bases, hit 374 and slug 622 last year at Oregon State, and then went to the Cape, won the batting title and the MVP award. Uh, had an OPS over a thousand. Uh, walked as much as he struck out, um, and actually walked more than he struck out last spring. Uh, you know, he just seems to keep getting better and better. And uh, I think the power and speed combination uh, will continue to show up uh, at Oregon State this year and put them right somewhere in this uh, this area. Yeah, of the it first was round. interesting trying to figure out 
whether I want to go Weatherholt two, Bazana three, or Bazana two, Weatherholt three. Like I really, it, and you'll have both those guys, Jonathan, when we do the top one hundred because they're in your your half of the country. Yep. And I felt like Weatherholt was a little bit better hitter, and he has you know he's going to get a chance to play shortstop while Bazana has more raw power and speed, but it's probably more clear cut a second baseman. But again, I mean, I think all three of the guys we've picked could be potential number one overall picks. Um, depending on how it plays out. Like, I just don't think there's a slam dunk or even a, uh, you know, a, a prohibitive favorite right now to, to go number one. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Your first your first three picks here, none have, like, that that really number one overall profile. Like, there, there's something about each of them that doesn't fit, like, a your standard, you know, expectation for a number one overall pick. You got a first baseman in there. Uh, Weatherhold is what five eleven, one. And I'd also maybe. submit that if there's questions about you playing shortstop in college, you probably aren't going to be a big league shortstop. There aren't a lot of college shortstops who are big yeah. league starting yeah. shortstops. Anyway, all right. Uh, fourth. Pick. I'm just going to draft all Wake Forest sure. guys. I think yeah. after my my previous thing, I'm going to I'm going to yeah. go Chase Burns here, uh, right hander from Wake. Fo- you didn't give me a chance to predict. I'm it, sorry. Yeah, well, you, you should have you should have sent your pick to Jason, but uh, or my pick to Jason. But did, did you think I was going Chase Burns? All right. I had okay. a feeling, but uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll give you credit. Sorry, right. go we, 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 continue. We, anyway, nah, but he's the, right. he's the highest ranked transfer list. He's number five on our list. Right handed pitcher from Wake Forest, transfer from Tennessee. He was third in Division One last year in strikeout rate, fourteen point three per nine innings. Tennessee, we talked about a couple times on podcast in spring, had a weird year after their great year, which fell short of Omaha when they were the best team in the country in 2022. And Chase Dolan and Chase Burns both had kind of odd years, and they wound up kind of piggybacking with each other. They, they kind of remade the rotation later in the year, and Burns would often come in in relief of Dolander, who very rarely went five innings last year. It was kind of a strange spring, but they did make it to Omaha. And he's got... You know, I, I don't know. You know, Wake's got the pitching lab, so I don't know that they're going to make Chase Burns better because he already has a 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball that tops out 102, an 85 to 87 mile an hour slider that, according to our friends at Synergy, generated a 61% swing and miss rate last spring. So he already has two of the best pitches in the country. You know, I think the question with him, and he throws strikes, is can he develop a third pitch? Yeah, we've talked about this too, where I don't think there's the belief that a starter has to have three, you know, quality pitches to be a starter. You know, Chase Burns may be one of those starters who has two dominant pitches and mixes in a change, but it'd be interesting to see what kind of progress he makes with those two pitches and the changeup that really hasn't gotten a lot better. Because it's Chase Burns, I, I don't know if you guys remember him from high school when we, you know, he was on our top 100 pretty high. Chase Burns probably would have been a sandwich pick or second round pick if he was signable out of high school and outside of he's throwing a little bit harder the scouting report is kind of the same thing it was on him in high school so i'll be curious to see does he get any better now that he's at, he's at wake's renowned p- pitching lab so i so he's my even though he's number five on the college list i will take him with the fourth pick in this draft he looked he did look very very good in that that role when you, you talked about him kind of piggybacking and when he moved into that relief role down the, down the stretch uh he looked like a totally different pitcher right i mean if if you look at his first half of the season compared to his second half of the season yeah i mean it was it was they just i don't know what was going on with tennessee but everybody just seemed kind of out of sorts for a while um 
And but yeah, it, they just they mean really hit their stride. It was kind of like Dolander didn't dominate like he did the year before. But when he'd run in trouble, it'd be like, okay, you're you, you don't want to see any more Chase Dolander. Here's Chase Burns, and, and and they were pretty. That was a pretty formidable combination. So I do think he's the the not like runaway, but I do think he is the favorite, a pretty strong favorite to be the first pitcher taken in this draft, more so than the hitters we took one, two, and three with saying that any of them would be the first hitter taken. I think Burns is a stronger chance to be the first pitcher taken. All right. Jonathan, fifth pick. You have your prediction in Jim. I've been going back and forth trying to decide because yeah, you know, I'll take Jack Caglione. I, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure. I'm not exactly sure what he is. Um, you know, I know Jim loves the Shohei Otani. <laughs> Don't make me gets. angry. So, <laughs> I did not curse, though. I did not curse. Um, so. I appreciate that. The only that. person who should be compared uh, to Shohei Otani even... is Dave Winfield. Anybody else, it's a ridiculous comparison. So don't compare. I think Dave Winfield's a little too old to make that comparison. I'm saying he's okay. the type of guy who um, pulled it off, but like, I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about Keg Tani. Just let him be Jack Tagliano. Yeah, so you're, you're getting, or the Cuban Otani. Yeah, yeah. Never getting, pitches. Yeah, how's that working out? You're getting angry on your own. I'm not even doing it. You're getting yourself riled up. Um, anyway, I'll t- I'll take him. You know, two way player at Florida. Uh, he he's really interesting. You know, even if we're not sure what he is, uh, you know, I think he'll. You know, as he, as you wrote uh, in your top twenty, I mean, most people like him as a hitter. Uh, there are holes on each side, right? He's got a ton of power, you know, but he tends to chase a little bit. Uh, but, you know, big, huge lefty. Uh, and then on the mound, he's up to the upper 90s and, uh, you, you know, misses a lot of bats. But, you know, some command issues. We'll see what he is. He's six foot five, 245 pounds. It's, he's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I think it's great for college baseball to have a, a, a legitimate two way guy at that level at the very least um, who can do some really exciting things on both, both, both sides, but I'll, I'll, I'll draft him and send it and send him out as a hitter. All right. That's the fifth pick that, and uh, Jim is three for three on his. Yeah. Yeah. His I, 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 I was he really had that one down the list. Cause I'm not sure about, I'm not a hundred percent sold on, on, on him, but to get him at this stage in our little draft. I'm, I'm so who am I picking with my next pick? Well, it's not a high school guy. Um, that would be funny. I'm just going to do that. Just a high school route. Um, I'm going to say that you're going to go to your alma mater. Very good. And I am going to my alma mater. I will be a homer. I'll take Charlie Condon of, of Georgia, first baseman outfielder. Still don't quite understand why he didn't play at all in 2022. He redshirted, and he comes out last year, and he hits 386 with 25 homers and leads the SEC with an 800 slugging percentage and ties for the lead on the U.S. collegiate national team with three homers in 10 games. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm just getting guys who combine hitting ability with power, you know, kind of similar to Nick Kurtz. Um, I don't think he's the defender, not that we're drafting for first base defense early in the draft. And like, shoot, I mean, that means three of our first six picks here right now could be first baseman, by the way. Um but these guys yeah. can all all rake, and two of them could be second yeah. basemen. And, so. and so anyway, with, with, with Condon, he, he's a decent athlete. You know, he's played some left field. I was talking to somebody who saw him this fall and said, you know, left field may be viable, but I will just go ahead and, and take another masher to go with Kurtz. Uh, they, they'll bat three four in my lineup in some 
in some capacity. But I, I will take Charlie Condon, who ranks number seventh on my college list um, with the sixth pick. And all six of these guys are college guys so far. Are you going to break that string, Jonathan? No. Wow. Okay. Um, but I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to. We're, we're having an argument in the draft room. What direction? Are you are you throwing here. a chair into a wall or? <laughs> Got some guys pounding the table for 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 different guys. You know, I I think. Did your prediction? Hey, my prediction in? Oh, the Jason ruined it. Okay. So, but that's fine. Jason he ruined he, the prediction. He tried to push you in a certain direction, and anyway, go ahead. Oh, towards yeah. taking a high school guy, you mean? Uh, you're, oh, it was subtle. Just simply it was asking. Subtle. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna move down the list a little bit, and I'm gonna roll the dice, and I'm gonna say that Brody Brecht is going to f- figure things out. Uh, and you know, as we know, the draft, if a college arm with that kind of stuff uh, starts figuring out some, a little more command and feel, uh, they shoot up and. Uh, you know, he's extremely athletic, scholarship uh, as a wide receiver, but then focusing on baseball. Fastball hits triple digits, really nasty slider. Um, if he adds some polish, I think that uh, he is going to, to move up. This is a little bit of a risk pick, but I felt some of the bats on your list ahead also all have you know certain question marks around them. So I was like, let me... Let me make sure I get it. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and he was a guy, if you guys remember from the first year we went to the July draft, Brody Brecht was the guy who might have benefited the most. Iowa starts their baseball season late. He didn't start really pitching until June and July. And he looked fabulous. It's just he was set to go to Iowa on a football scholarship, which he did. He's now baseball only. But if he had signed, he would have gotten two, three million dollars, I think, uh, if he'd been willing to give up football. Because he, he showed that kind of arm. And, and in my write-up, you know, I ranked him 10th on the college list. That it, it's Paul Skeen's type stuff without without the polish. You know, and, and there's there's a big gap in the polish. But, I mean, he's up to 101 miles an hour, and his slider's ridiculous. So I, I like that pick. Kudos to that pick, Jonathan. Thank um, you very much. And I don't have any – I don't know, I don't know who right. I'm going to pick with my next pick. Um, well, because it's the same <laughs> thing. Like, the, the, the hitters uh, – you know, do I just take mashers? Do I do I take a guy who's a little riskier bat? Uh, I'm gonna get it peruse the high school list here for a second. Um, Whoa. struggling with this pick a little bit. I, I I hadn't even thought about picking Brody Breck there, which is a an interesting pick. I th- I, You've I thrown, thrown me for a loop. loop. You know. Auto pick's gonna pick for you here. <laughs> so, like, does that, does that mean I wind up with PJ Merlando or Vance Honeycutt if I get auto picked? Yeah. Um, highest rank. Highest rank you got to compare the list. You know, I'm gonna roll the dice a little bit too. I don't want to just take three first basemen. I'm not building a team per se. I'm, I'm tempted to take another guy who might wind up at first base who can really hit. Yeah. I, I'll take Vance Honeycutt out of out of North Carolina. I have him number six on the on, on the college list. And he's a tough one to figure out because I do think he might have the most physical upside among all the players on this list. Uh, you know, he's a potential five tool center fielder. You could dream 2020. You could maybe dream 30, 30. He's the ACC def- 
defensive player of the year. I think he's definitely a center fielder. The big question I think going uh, got him going into his sophomore year last year was he struck out 30% of the time as a freshman and he cut that to 20% as a sophomore. So that's good. But he also hit 257 with a, a 910 ops. And he wasn't, he didn't do as much damage. He hit 12 homers, he hit 19 steals. There's a lot of talent in there. I, the bat, I, I think there is a question, but I, I will I will stay true to my rankings rather than than to go down and take another potential first baseman who I might take with my next pick. So um, I will take Vance Honeycutt, but I do think he's very volatile. Um, like I could, he could be the number one pick or he could be a second rounder, depending on how the spring goes. Is he like Drew Stubbs? <sighs> Maybe, although he cut his strikeout rate. <laughs> like that part's encouraging. Right. Um like, like Van, it's just, it was weird because Vance Honeycutt was so more productive when he was striking out more, but yeah, I mean, it's that kind of profile where there's a lot of tools, but you wonder, is he going to hit, um, enough to be, yeah. I mean, he'll, I think he'll get to the big leagues, but like Drew Stubbs got to the big leagues, but he struck out too much to sure. be a cornerstone player. A yeah. He was just guy, yeah. an, an okay, you know, like a decent regular. Yeah. Good. And a really good defender. I mean, that's why. He yeah. So I, I, that, that one, you know, it's funny. I don't know who I would have picked if you hadn't picked Brody Brecht. I don't know if I would have rolled the dice and gone Brody Brecht, but uh, Brody Brecht is my favorite pick of the draft for where you were for just the. Well, the, I appreciate the that. Yeah. I'm curious. I know you guys haven't put tool grades on these guys yet, but I'm, I'm particularly curious with Honeycutt uh, about tool grades and, and not, you know, you don't have to stick sure. with these when you put the list together here soon. But what what are we looking no, at? Like, what are we looking at? Hit tool, power tool, uh, speed and defense. Off the top of my head, without you know looking at run times, I would probably go forty hit, fifty five power because I tick down the power because the question's about the hitting, and it's at least sixty speed and sixty center field. Man, how do you take a 40 hit I know. guy? Because if you think he's track. a 45 hit guy, then he could be a 45 hit guy who's yep. three sixes. So, um, right. but yeah, I would have thought higher on the, on the defense. I, I mean, is he not one of, is not one of the better defensive? He is, the, but and like I said, like I, I will dig into that more cause I wasn't digging for tools grades. I think to say that a college center fielder is going to be better than a plus defender in center field in the big leagues, that is being pretty aggressive. So I need to to look into that. Like he's like, I mean, how many plus defend? How many well above average defenders do we have on last year's initial top college or draft top one hundred? I I bet not many. I, I'm going to research that while Jonathan looks into his next. Fine question that we can look into while Jonathan makes the ninth pick. This is my last one, right? Yeah. It is. Go um, big. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm going to take a high schooler out because otherwise we won't have talked about the high school list at all. And uh, <laughs> we can t- we, we, sh- should we should talk. We'll, we'll talk about something. it. Yeah. No, it's okay. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll do that right now. Um, so the top five of the high school list, because I am going to take, uh, I, I'm going to pick from, from the high school list. PJ Morlando from, from South Carolina Outfielder is one. Uh, Connor Griffin, uh, two-way guy from Mississippi. Uh, most people 
prefer him as as an outfielder. Uh, Cam Caminiti, that's uh, Ken's cousin, also a two-way guy, but more people uh, like him on the mound as a left-handed pitcher reclassified uh, this year. Noah Franco is like a tr- kind of true two-way guy, or I think the industry is kind of split. He is at IMG Academy. And then Bryce Rayner at Harvard-Westlake High School in California uh, gets some comps to Jack Flaherty, not only because they go to the same high school, but known more as a position player. Uh, and then uh, he's he's looked good, you know, as an infielder, uh, but has kind of shown glimpses on the mound. So if he if he takes a step forward there, he could he could be a really interesting pitcher. So um, from that list, I was tempted to not take the number one guy, but I'm going to. I'm going to take PJ Morlando. Uh, he can really hit. Uh, and has a track record, um, probably as much, if not more, uh, than anybody in the class. Hit really well for Team USA, uh, an international competition. Left-handed hitter, bat speed, there's a lot of power. Uh, he's probably a corner outfielder, but if he sh- you know shows that he can play center, uh, that I think helps his profile and you know s- sort of sneaks him more into the top ten. But I think he's I think he's really going to going to hit. Uh, and typically, high school hitters with that kind of profile, you know, hitting power profile, like they they tend to do welcome draft time. All right, and Jim, final pick of this little mini draft. Going back to the college ranks. I'm going to go back to the college ranks. And I, I was trying I, I, my my Google Drive skills. I cannot find our 2023 draft spreadsheet. I, I was going to say, I know on my – the guys I ranked in the winter, my, I found my top 100 write-ups. I did not have a 65 defense on any of them. Um, so I don't know. If- we had – yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this grade was uh, when the initial list came out, but I I do know that Enrique Bradfield had a seventy grade. Hmm. Oh, you know what? He he probably did. He probably did default. because I I did a quick search and I was looking for guys who were sixty fives. Yeah, he was the name that popped in my head without having looked, but I couldn't remember how high the defensive grade yeah. was. Yeah, so there you go. And I don't think Vance Honeycutts is good defensively as Enrique Bradfield. I don't think he covers as much ground. So the only outfielders to have a higher than a sixty field grade, Andrew Stevenson in 2015, Derek Hill in 2014, Braden Bishop 2015, and Michael Geddes in 2014. Uh, sorry, Drew Jones uh, was the only other 70 field grade for an outfielder uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, so there you go. And and, and, and Drew is Drew is going too. But uh, so I'll finish this off. I will take the number eight player on the college list. So we, we've taken nine of the top 10 college guys and the top high school guy, but I'll take, uh, Tommy white third baseman of Louisiana state probably winds up at first base in the long run. So I've now drafted three first basemen and well, I didn't because Jack, no, I guess we honestly got so one. We, we've got four yeah. first basemen in our top 10, which shows you how it's a little bit of an unusual draft in that regard. But Tommy white's another guy who isn't just a masher. He can hit, he hits for power, you know, transfer from NC state, as a freshman to LSU last year, helped win the national championship, hit the game-winning home run in that semifinal game against Wake Forest that I mentioned, hit 374 with 24 homers, led Division One with 105 RBI, and I just think he's going to hit. So um, probably a first baseman in the long run, but again, that, that bat is so good. And 
you know, like I said, I, I just think it speaks to how this will be an interesting draft where you have four guys who are predominantly, you know, probably first baseman, two guys who might be second baseman, all who could fit in the top 10 picks, which is pretty crazy. That's a weird one. I almost took him right. instead of Brecht with, with that pick, by the way. That's who and I, I almost took him instead of Honeycutt. Yeah, and you got so both of them. It so. all worked out. I, I, I like our I – mean, these would be nice uh, – well, what we, we we're not going to do this, but I and I forget our acronym for our our bonus calculator, like like that we we coined last year for all those guys. <laughs> we could we could run it through and see what the bonus money would be on these guys. But uh. okay, let's uh, wrap that up and move on to our question in the mailbag, which is a nice little segue because it's another, uh, it's also draft related and it comes from our old friend Stevie D. Uh, out of the high school, out of the top high school and college prospects that you ranked for next year's draft. Which prospects are you keeping a close watch on, and which ones do you believe will improve the most? Well, I, I, you know, I'm going to interpret this. Not that Stevie D knew we were going to do a draft. I'm going to. I was going to say Stevie D is so good at this that he's now reading our minds, and he he knew what we were going to be talking about, and he catered he he's catering to us here. Yeah. So, uh, um, I'm going to pick someone else from the high school list, and I do think that. You know the high schoolers. There, it, it. There's more chance of volatility, even though there, you know some of the question marks with some of the the college guys. But I think there are guys, even though we only took one high school player, who could make huge jumps. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Cam Caminiti, the two way guy, but really left handed pitcher from right here in Scottsdale, uh, Arizona. So when you're done um, with the World Series game, you can go have a. Like after after go, go take Cam Caminiti to, to dinner uh, after you go to the game. Thanks for, for thanks. For I mean, I'm just filling out your itinerary. Yeah, uh, you know he he just reclassified. Uh, he's probably the best pitcher in in the class. Um, super athletic on the mound. Left hander up to mid nineties. Uh, could have three above average pitches when all is said and done. Can throw strikes. I had one area guy who thought he's a top 10 pick right now. Uh, so I think that if he comes out this spring and throws really well, uh, then, you know, there's always the risk with high school pitching, but he's left-handed. Uh, so I think that he is the guy who can probably float up to the sort of top third of the draft pretty quickly. Yeah, and I was going to say, Jonathan, I think Cam Kennedy is one of four guys in your high school top 10 who are LSU recruits. So LSU continuing to do damage. I, I'm going to go all the way down to number 20 on my college list. This guy fascinated me three years ago when he's coming out of high school. And that was Will Taylor, who's now an outfielder at Clemson. And he could have been, uh, he could have gone in the top half of the first round. I think he definitely would have gotten been a first round pick if he was going to sign but, you know, Dabba Swinney at, at Clemson convinced him, come here, play wide receiver. You could be our next Hunter Renfro. And so he, he bought in. He, he went to Clemson to play two sports, got hurt as a freshman playing football. Now he's baseball only. And, you know, he, he, bet, he, did, play base, he did play baseball last spring. He hit 362, ops a little over 1,000, stole 11 bases. And I just, I just really like this guy out of high school. And I think he's a guy who – you know, he hasn't been full-time baseball. He hasn't played as much baseball as some of the other college guys on this list. But I do think, you know, just with the tools and where he was in high school, that I think he can make a big leap. And it wouldn't shock me. I don't think it's out of the realm possibility at all that, like, he potentially could be the first, you know, college outfielder drafted in 2024. 
if he's as good as I think he can be. So he he's the guy who probably intrigues me the most on on, on either of these lists in terms of of upside mobility. All right, a lot more uh, draft fodder to come over the next uh, month or so. We will be uh, putting out our top 100 draft prospects list uh, in December. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll be talking more draft as we approach the launch of that list. Thanks to Stevie D for that question. Thanks again to Colson Montgomery for joining us. And thanks to everybody for listening. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks again, everybody. See you next week.